to the Michigan Business Beat, brought to you on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Chris Holman, broadcasting to you from remote, actually, but we are going to stay in the mid-Michigan area. Robert Hammer joins us right now, shareholder at Foster Swift, Collins & Smith, offices in Southfield, the original office in Lansing, and of course, six branches across the state of Michigan. Robert, you know, it's kind of interesting. Welcome back, because every time we have something that we don't totally understand, we have to call Robert, right? So Robert comes in, explains it all, and then life is good. We've been hearing a lot about this Airboss case. Can you bring us up to date and tell us what that is? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on again. So the Airboss case actually was a very recent Michigan Supreme Court decision. The case was captioned MSSC versus Airboss Flexible Products. And fairly recent, you know, probably within the last six, nine months, a decision that really upended the way that certain contracts, a certain little tranche of contracts are reviewed. And what Airboss dealt with was something called a release contract. So let's kind of categorize contracts just for a basic understanding. First, you know, in business, you say, hey, I want to buy 500 widgets, right? Fixed, you know, number, pretty simple, pretty standard, right? Probably what most contracts are. You also have something called like a requirements or an output contract. I will buy all of the widgets I need from you, or I will buy all of the widgets you can make, right? You see that in a lot of times in agricultural, right? And then you have these types of contracts that the, the Michigan Supreme Court found was a new classification of contracts called a release contract. And what that was is, and it's generally found in the automotive industry and some of the other manufacturing industries. We'll enter into a purchase order that dictates, you know, price, you know, all the terms and conditions, you know, how they're going to be shipped, you know, free on board my dock, your dock, what the specifications are, you know, what the inspections are, all of those good stuff. And then we will tell you on an ongoing basis how often we want you to release products to us. So we enter into a contract on January 1st. On January 2nd, you send a release saying, hey, I need 500. On January 10th, you send a release saying, I need 300, right? And so on and so forth. And the Michigan Supreme Court kind of held that this was a different type of contract than what we've seen before. And what happened in the Airboss case is actually very interesting and unfortunately not uncommon in the industry where they entered into this type of contract for the production of you know, widgets, whatever, it was some automotive component. And at some point in time, one of the parties said, hey, you know what? I can't keep doing it at this price. I know we sent into this purchase order that I'd you know, ship you widgets for $500 each. My costs have gone up. My labor has gone up. Materials have gone up. We have COVID. We have all those sorts of things. And I'm not going to fulfill these releases anymore. And in that case, you know, the buyer filed the lawsuit saying, well, we have this contract, right? You signed this purchase order and for years you accepted our releases and this should be binding. You should not be able to say, no, I don't want to fulfill these anymore, right? And the Michigan Supreme Court sided with the manufacturer, said that, you know what, with these types of release contracts, you guys are agreeing on terms and conditions that are going to apply to any future orders, but mm. orders are made on a basis by basis by basis basis. So again, you know, there's very little predictability, there's very little reliability in these new types of release contracts because some can always say, hey, you know what? I don't want to fulfill these anymore. I'm done. I'm finished. You know, we need to renegotiate. And there's no binding contract because the contract is not actually formed until that release is accepted. Really you know, up I, to the industry. 
You know, what's interesting to me is that somebody didn't put a cola escalator in there or something that was automatic that if, you know, cost of goods goes up X percent, so does cost of product. I don't know sure. if that would have alleviated it or not. Yeah, well, and you know what? It would have probably have alleviated the underlying issue. But again, you know, those business terms aren't always as easy as we want to negotiate, right? Especially when you deal with the larger entities, they want certainty as to price. Someone has to bear that risk, right? And that created a problem. So, so how are companies dealing with this? Sure, sure. So what was argued by the buyer in this case is even though it wasn't explicitly a requirements contract, it functionally was a requirements contract, right? We agreed that we were going to buy all the widgets we needed from you. We didn't specifically say it, right? But that's what happened, right? That's functionally what happened. And the court rejected it. They said, you know, no, that's not the case. So what we're seeing a lot more of, you know, in the industries that deal with these release contracts is a shift towards an explicit requirements, right? Or a percentage of my requirements, right? Purchase order that says, I'm going to buy 100% of the widgets I need of this particular stock number, or, you know, I'll buy, you know, 80% or 70%, you know, whatever it is. But having that mutual obligation on day one is what we're seeing a lot of to try to get around this Airboss decision. A couple, you know, creative lawyer hacks. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So we've got about 30 seconds. What industries are impacted most by this thing? Manufacturing. We see a lot in the automotive industry, although the automotive industry has been trending towards requirements contracts for a little bit. And we're also seeing in defense and aerospace. All right. Keep an eye on that. And we'll bring you back periodically for updates and other things that make us scratch our heads. Robert Henry, shareholder at Foster Swift, Collins and Smith, Southfield office, and of course, Lansing and across the state with six other offices. You've been listening to the Michigan Business Beat on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Chris Holman.